Hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family, with trip planning, money-saving tips, and fun, funny stories. We are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps with yours. Now, here's our host, World Travel Dad. Thanks for joining the World Travel Dad Show, where we teach you how to take trips with your family and save money in the process. Our motto is never put off until you're 65 the trips that you should be taking now. Have you ever thought about taking your family to Paris? Well, if you have, you're not alone. It's a very popular destination. And today we're going to talk about some of what we did with our kids in Paris. So to start, the last time I was in Paris was a decade ago. (coughs) And they didn't have the Airbnb system set up. So that's a total game changer. Um, If... If Airbnb still exists when you're listening to this podcast, you need to take advantage of that and get yourself an apartment somewhere in Paris. It's going to be cramped, but take advantage of that because the hotels are probably somewhat expensive. Now, they're also cramped, but so are the apartments. Everything's cramped. The city of Paris, made so famous by the The novels of Victor Hugo in the 1800s is a very cramped city and um, but not not exceedingly so it's very orderly and you're not going to feel overwhelmed usually I know when we stepped off the the tube tube metro it's called the metro there not the tube when we We showed up and walked out of the metro station. It's initially shocking, especially if you've been in small towns. But like I said, it's an orderly city. You're going to want to take the metro quite a bit. It's about €1.90 per ticket. Um, Kids have to pay for a ticket, but it's half price. If you're going to buy a half price kids ticket, and this is getting into the weeds. Um, this is something that you might be able to find on our blog site. But you have to buy a book of kids' tickets, of 10 of them. And I think it's a pretty good deal if you're going to be there for a week. Um, but find yourself an apartment. We were in the ninth Arundissimal. Um, that seemed like a good arrondissement to me. And from what I could tell. We were on the right bank. There's a left bank and a right bank. And um, to me, Paris seems like one gigantic cafe or one gigantic brasserie. I mean, there are restaurants everywhere. And I don't know how to choose, but we we found some good ones. Um, If you've considered taking your kids to Paris, you need to know a few things. One is it's not the most kid-friendly city ever. There are quite a few parks, but people go to Paris to kind of lounge around, enjoy the cafe culture, go to museums. And if your kids are like our kids, that's not what's top on their list. 
to put it mildly. But with a little advanced planning, you could make it fun for your kids. So step one, go to the Eiffel Tower. Um, certainly go there. That's Every kid knows about the Eiffel Tower, and our kids were excited about it. We got there fairly early one morning on a Monday in September. And I remember there's a high season when the French people, they flee the city during the summer, but that's when international tourists come in. And so we came in September, which was outside of the international tourist high season. The French people were back in the town, but I don't know how much they really care about the Eiffel Tower at this point. I mean, they see the thing constantly, so we didn't face too terribly long of a line, but buy your tickets in advance. Um, buy your tickets in advance anywhere you go. Don't make the mistake of not doing that. It never ceases to amaze me and my wife that there are people that still don't buy their tickets in advance in this day and age. They're timestamp tickets, so it makes sense. Um, we did not go all the way to the top of the tower, and I know that sounds crazy, but it's... Well, first of all, I, I'm i 42, but I'm getting a late-onset fear of heights. And you may have heard in the London episode, I, I uh, was very scared on the London Eye. And when you get next to the Eiffel Tower, it looks very tall and scary. And so we got the cheaper ticket where you can walk up to the second deck, which, believe me, it's plenty high. Um, we had a little breakfast up there, and it's good enough for me. I didn't need to go all the way to the top. I, um, Our son wanted to, and I felt bad, but we had to tell him, Daddy's afraid, so... And he understood. Um, you're going to hear a lot of English spoken in Paris. I know I always harp on this, but you really need to try to learn some French. Yeah, you. Whoever's listening to this. There's no excuse. I'm sure you took it in high school, and I'm sure you blew it off, but you should have tried harder. And... Now that they have this thing called the internet, you can learn on your phone, on your portable, as they say in French. And you need to do some of that because it's, I think it's somewhat, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I go to countries and know very little of the language and you should be embarrassed too. And it should motivate you to do better. And don't, don't just show up somewhere and, do, and not know anything about the language or the culture. I think that's something that Americans can change, and it's so easy to change because the French don't care that you're not fluent in French. I think they just want maybe a little more effort on our part, and I think it goes a long way because you'll hear so much English spoken that you're not going to need to really ever speak French, frankly, but just sort of understanding a little bit about the street signs and being able to read menus and occasionally you'll run into someone that doesn't speak a ton of English and it might be helpful to to know how to order some water or a fork 
or get an extra plate. Um, you can go next level like I sometimes do and explain they are going to be sharing, you know, something with your family member and they, that's pretty com complicated stuff. Actually, it's not. It's one word and it's very easy. I'm just kidding, but you should, you should feel very comfortable in the city of Paris. It was coming from the countryside like we did where very little English was spoken at times. It was kind of a nice breath of fresh air. It took a lot of the pressure off. We kind of, we, we kind of did it the right way. We went out into the, the boot camp of the countryside and, and really just had the French culture immersion just kind of beat you over the head in a good way, a good beating. It, it was nice. And then everyone sort of had this confidence and it made us feel very comfortable. Um, I, I could imagine, and the, you know, the first time I went to France, it's a little overwhelming, all the cultural stuff. I mean, you know, give me a break at, at times with the eating and the kissing on the cheek and, you know, that's all I can think of. But kind of beats you over the head a little bit. Very interesting. But it's nice in Paris that it's sort of, it's, it's quasi like a bilingual city now. I mean, it seems like tons of Americans are there, tons of foreign tourists speak some English. That's how they get around. But I also don't buy this argument that, oh, Americans, you know, they only learn one language, you know. Um, they're not smart or they're lazy or they just think they can go around the world and people will bend over backwards for them. And I think that that argument is garbage. And here's why. What else would you expect Americans to do? do you, would you expect Americans to go learn the language of every country they're going to? Of course not. It's insane. And so what happened was English became the de facto international language. And that's not because we made some dictate from from on high that we had that people had to bend over for us that's what w that, w that was the choice it's easier for everybody to just sort of know that language and you can see it in action when you go to europe because a german who doesn't know french is going to know english and the french waiter who doesn't speak a lick of german is going to know some english and that's why it works that way and so i don't buy this argument about americans getting off easy but like I said, you should learn some French. And I did. And um, I was pretty proud of what I accomplished. Um, I think there were some ups and downs. And I didn't quite understand what was going on most of the time. But I was proud of it. And I, can, I plan to continue to try to learn French. And it kind of opens some doors. I mean, you know, a lot of nations in West Africa speak French. And you might think, West Africa, why would you bring that up? And um, there, and I would say there is a lot to, to look at in Africa. There are a lot of nations in Africa that speak, you know, other languages and should, you know. But just as an example. Um, I want to finish up today's podcast 
I'm talking about the museum that we, well, we saw two museums. We saw the catacombs, which were pretty awesome. They're the underground graveyard with all the bones dating back to the 1700s. Um, that's not something I'll get into too much in this podcast. What I, uh, But the other thing we did was the Musée d'Orsay. Now, everyone knows the Louvre. I get it. It's awesome. I've never been there. It's modern art, I think. Not always my shtick. And I I, I don't always go for the most popular thing in a city. Sometimes it's the most popular for a perfectly good reason. And I'm not saying the Louvre has any kind of unjustified hype or anything like that. But we chose the Musée d'Orsay. It's probably the second most famous. So we weren't exactly going way off the beaten path there. But I thought this museum was phenomenal. And I talked about this in a blog post that we did. But um, you, when you go to these museums with kids, you got to have reasonable expectations. Do you really think that your 10-year-old wants to go look at nude pieces of artwork for three hours? I mean, be honest with yourself. How much, how how long do you really want to stand in front of a painting? And we, and I've always sort of tried to be honest with myself about this. I didn't, I don't want to pretend that I'm enjoying something that I'm not. I think that's um, not necessary. You might as well be honest with yourself. I mean, what do you really want to do? But there is a degree of, sometimes you got to kick yourself in the butt and uh, go to one of these fantastic art museums and um, have reasonable expectations with the kids. Usually, even for a great museum like this one, we usually have about a 90-minute timer going off in our head a little bit. Um, there, Even if you're well-rested, fed, you can be as prepared as you want your kid probably isn't going to want want to stay more than 90 minutes, maybe two hours. Um, one thing that helps is to buy the audio guides. Um, we don't always spring for those, but in some of these museums we do because if it's a well-done audio guide for kids, it can keep them really engaged while you and your spouse get down to business um, with these paintings. Um and so this Musée d'Orsay has some Van Goghs. Um, we weren't all that impressed with the Van Goghs we saw there. There's the portrait. You know, there's just his face. You know, interesting, interesting looking face. Not particularly attractive, but, you know, well done, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, we really like the Monet the fa- the most famous there are two Monets in this gallery um, that are up on the fifth floor. By the way, you could just go straight to this fifth floor and probably spend an hour there and get your money's worth. We spent we did kind of the whole museum. We went down on the ground floor, and it's I think our kids at this point they've been to so many museums they're they're sort of battle hardened, and we we kind of like can do this full museum without too much bitching and moaning. And so we did this whole first floor with French impressionist artists. Just really amazing stuff. I 
I don't know anything about most of those painters, but just pretty terrific. But when you get up to this Monet, so there's the water lilies. You know that one. The bridge, the water lilies, uh, whatevs, pretty cool. Um, the one that I geek out over is the Coquilocos, uh, Coquiloco, I think. Coquiloco. Um, the poppies. Um, you know the poppies. It's a woman and a kid. They're kind of walking down some hill in some field. Um, there's some red in there, these red flowers. I don't know why the woman and the kid are walking down. Nobody ever explained that. They're kind of way off of any kind of a path, but um, that was amazing. And not to go full Robin Williams on this, but seeing that original in this gallery and, and looking at it, I mean, it is pretty cool, you got to admit. And um, that was the lasting impression there and that was Paris and uh, we'll see you next time